What will Nazem Kadri mean for the Flames? How will the Canadiens deal with Carey Price being out for the season? And the New York Rangers have a new captain and lots of changes. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. The big news around the hockey world the last few days, Nazem Kadri signing a free agent deal with the Calgary Flames. Jess Belmasto of Locked On Flames is here to talk about it and tell us what this deal means. Jess, were you as surprised as a lot of other people about this signing? Yes. I was convinced that he had already signed with the Islanders and a friend had texted me a little heads up and was like, hey, sounds like something's coming down the wire right now. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just postpone my nap. That's fine. Uh, I just absolutely wild to think where this team was a year ago or even a month ago uh, to where they are now. And I, they could win the division after, you know, I think a lot of people have the Oilers pegged, but um, nope. I think the flames are going, going to be true contenders again this year. I, I think so too. And, you know, Kadri, where do you think he's going to fit in? to this Flames lineup, uh, and, and who do you think they'll have playing with him? Yeah, this is just such an interesting situation because the Flames are in a position where they can do, like, the little plug-and-play to see who has the best chemistry, what works the best, and not just with Kadri, but with Huberto and um, Andrew Mangiapane, who has the chance to kind of make another leap in his career um, this season as well, where he could find himself on the top line. I guess I think that Kadri could easily start as a first line center or, you know, and have Huberdo on his left and Pani on his right. I There are so many options for Daryl Sutter to just like, be scribbling down in his little notebook or whatever he does to prepare for the season. And I was thinking about this last week before uh, Kadri had even signed. It's like the flames have options and they're legitimate options and building a team down the center, a strong team down the center is only going to help this team even more. No, no question about that. And, you know, Never before had an NHL team lost two 100-point-plus players in one offseason. And yet, as we said at the opening, this team may be better this year than they were a year ago. Uh, it, it's impressive, the moves that were made this offseason. Yeah. You know, if you told me the day free agency opened that this would be where the Flames are at, I would probably bet – I, a lot of money saying you're wrong, but I, Brad tree living is getting the deal done. He's getting whatever he needs to get done, done. Uh, 
the kind of running joke in Calgary is that Brad didn't get his guy because he's all he was always missing out on trades and big free agents and whatnot. But, you know, sure, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau walked, but it wasn't for a lack of trying on Tree Living's part. Um, Jack Eichel, that whole trade saga. Brad didn't get his guy there either, but he was able to go out this offseason and get quite a bit that it's a little bit more impressive to me for how much he's acquired um, versus like just one player with Jack Eichel. But, you know, to bring on another 115 point player, you know, you're getting a Johnny hockey for a Johnny hockey here. And then a significantly increasing um, the strength of your defense with the Uyghur edition. And then, this team had questions in their forwards and bringing on a guy like Kadri and not having to give up, you know, it's a free agent signing. So you're not giving anything up besides some money and some term. That's it. And it's just impressive. Like it leaves me speechless to say that this team very well could be better than what we saw. Does the giving a seven-year contract to a 32-year-old player concern you at all? Not now, but let's say four, five, six years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's just kind of the name of the game and part of the business is, you know, you're going to, when it comes to free agency, you're going to overpay with money or the term. And quite honestly, I would rather it be the term. Because that's a lot easier to figure out and fix than putting yourself in a cap crunch down the road that you can't predict. You know, you can structure a contract in a way that doesn't make it buyout proof or there's a way to structure it so a team could bring bring on the contract and do a trade. Um, everyone said Sean Monaghan's contract was untradeable. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is untradeable. And I really am impressed with Brad Tree Living's ability to get this done. And I, I don't know. I think that it's too early to be stressing out about what's four or five years down the road. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned Monaghan. Will the team miss him? Uh, and talk a little bit about his impact in Calgary while he was there. Yeah, you know, uh, it pains me to say that my time covering the Flames was not a good point in Sean Monaghan's career. He It was injury after injury, uh, seasons ending short, uh, just struggling production-wise. But he has made it a point, uh, you know, he was a really big locker room guy. He's one of the last pieces of the core that was there. And it just... Um, his absence will definitely be felt and he wore the a for a reason he was a leader and he had a fantastic impact on the community in calgary just like uh, mark giordano had as well uh very very involved in calgary and the community there but you know it's really exciting to go on and see what he what he's going to do for the people in Montreal. I don't think that that's just something that's going to stop just because his time in one city came to an end. 
no question about that. It's just the kind of guy he really is. Mm-hmm. Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Sure. So you can find the show Locked on Flames wherever you get your favorite podcasts and uh, head on over there to listen to, well, to Monday's the Sean Monahan episode. So uh, you can find that on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever. And you can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Flames pod. And you can find me at Jess Belmosto. Jess, thanks so much for stopping by. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Gil. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. I mean, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Lots of news over this week concerning the Montreal Canadiens. So we bring in Scott Matla, the co-host of Locked On Canadians. Scott, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's It's been a hectic end of the week with the world's longest trade condition list as part of the reason why. Um, it, it's been interesting though. We've gotten good news. We've got bad news and everything in between this week, uh, in terms of the Canadians, unfortunately, let's get the bad news out of the way. Carey price unlikely to play this season, his career, his future in the game up in the air right now. What is the latest that you've heard and how does this affect the Habs this year and beyond? The, the Carey Price thing isn't totally surprising because he rehabbed his knees, been getting platelet injections, and Kent Hughes and everyone who's been asked in the Canadians organization has said, we're taking it day by day. We'll see. We're getting our updates when he goes to these things. And it's become very clear that just rehabbing and doing platelet injections is not going to be enough to get his knee where it needs to be to play this season without. And the other option then is it requires surgery if he wants to play and with a knee and everyone, as everyone knows, even with the advancements in modern medicine, a knee injury that is clearly this severe means he's going to be missing this season anyways. And it kind of lends to, is this it for Carey price? And we haven't heard from him directly. His wife has been collecting well wishes to share with him when he is well and ready which tells me in typical Carey Price fashion, he has probably gone to a cabin in the woods to go fishing and kind of keep to himself. He's had, it's been a very tough 18 months between the run to the cup final and losing, entering player assistance and then coming back and then still having to deal with this. I don't want to say definitively that we've seen the last of Carey Price playing in the NHL, but with 
everything surrounding this, it's it seems more and more like that's the way it's going to go, and that's heartbreaking for fans like myself who never got to really see a ton of the Habs superstars. Carey Price is probably the closest we've come to having those superstars of the old Montreal dynasties. What would it mean for the Canadians not to have them this year? And then, I mean, obviously the team is in a rebuilding mode. Uh, does having him either retire or not be available this year help or hinder them in the long run? I can, I think my thought is I look at what they did with Jake Allen. They extended him last year or the year before for two years at under three mil to keep him around. They exposed Carey Price in expansion when Seattle was joining the league to be able to keep Jake Allen under contract. And I think they knew that this was always a possibility. They re-signed fan favorite uh, Samuel Montembeau in the offseason to one-year deal. They were always prepared for this to be an option. And they loaded up all the way down to the ECHL level. They are loaded up with goaltenders to keep bumping everyone up as needed. And the biggest thing is, and it sounds so harsh and it's not meant to be that way, is Carey Price not being in the lineup is an LTIR cap savings for them that allows them to get Sean Monahan under contract, or not under contract, but under the cap, to sign Kirby Doc, to sign Caden Primo, who's expected to be their AHL starter and goalie of the future. Carey Price's absent helps Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon build towards the rebuild that they want in terms of cap space and flexibility. And that includes Paul Byron, who will also likely go on there. Obviously, Shea Weber is no longer here. He is a Vegas Golden Nightcap casualty. They were always prepared for this. And I just think that a lot of people were really hoping it wouldn't be this way. But unfortunately, hockey's not always fair in that regard. But the Canadians came prepared for this to be an actual option. And they didn't have to scramble at the last minute to try to put something together right now. You mentioned Sean Monahan, and you mentioned at the outset all the conditions in this trade. Uh, <laughs> where does he fit into the lineup, and and have you sorted out these conditions? So, I don't know. I legitimately don't know where to put Sean Monahan right now because you have right now your one C is Nick Suzuki. That is written in there. That is set in stone. At the other end of the spectrum, you have Jake Evans as your likely fourth line center. In the middle of all that, they have Kirby Doc, they have Christian Dvorak, and now they have Sean Monahan. I anticipate it's not going to be Kirby Doc. I anticipate likely Christian Dvorak getting moved out before the season begins to a team that might be looking for the center depth and they can kind of free up a little bit more of that cap space. They want to give Kirby Doc a bigger role. They traded a lot for him at the draft, obviously trading Romanov to the New York Islanders, getting a first round pick in that and then flipping that to Chicago for Kirby Doc. They want. I don't think he's here for a long time either. This is not like the Kirby Doc trade where they're planning for the future. This is them buying low on a guy, doing Calgary a favor, getting another first-round pick out of all of this, something Kent Hughes has done really well at, and using that to further their rebuild. Because if Monaghan comes in and he's actually healthy after his other hip surgery now and has recuperated and regains some semblance of his form, I'm not saying he's going to be a 25-30 goal guy anymore, but if he pots a dozen goals by the time the trade deadline rolls around, you can flip that to a team who's looking for depth help and they can basically add more picks to a guy they got for free. They got him for future considerations, which just closes the trade on from Michael McDivitt to Calgary months and months ago. 
they traded nothing and got a first round pick and a guy they can flip for more picks. It's like the Shea Weber and any Dodonov trade. They don't have to keep Dodonov and they can flip him. It's really, really smart, just business by Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon. And if Monahan plays well and they're open to keeping him, they said they'd be willing to negotiate that. But I still think he's going to be a deadline flip to some team needing depth. And that helps the Canadians in their quest to get where they want in uh, the ongoing rebuild. All the conditions attached to this pick. Uh, have you figured out how this works? I mean, so yes, um, Nathan uh, has eyes on the prize. The other website I write, I write for put together an entire draft pick outcome and the best and worst and looking through everything. The best outcome is that Montreal would receive the 97th overall pick round four, pick one in 2025 and first overall selection in 2026. If the flames finish last, there's so many conditions that no matter what Montreal is getting another first round pick in either 2024, 2025 or 2026, that's that's written in and that is done. They, however, can add a fourth or I believe it's a fifth or a third some in one of these other trades, depending on certain conditions, because Florida has so many things tied to the Claude Giroux trade, things that were tied to the Matthew Kachuk trade. It's the most complex trade I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Uh, you can look up the article at Habs Eyes on the Prize, the best and worst draft pick outcomes it lays it all out better than I could hope to explain because I know we don't have a ton of time and it might take me at least 30 minutes to try and work my way through it all. It's insane. And it's no wonder that the trade was announced that it was happening and then officially announced six hours later because it took them this long to negotiate everything out. Just insane. Not too many NHL trades come with a flow chart. And this one, I think (laughs) no. It, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like I've ne- like I said, I've never seen a trade tree or a trade that has a flow chart that isn't related to trades off of the trade. This is just one. And it's still, even at its most broken down, still insanely complicated. It It's smart business and really good work, but I never want to try and wrap my head around a trade like this again. It's <laughs> It's needlessly complicated almost. Unbelievable. Scott, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We are also on YouTube. So if you want to subscribe there, I am at Scott Matla, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-L-A, all one word on Twitter. My co-host, who is not here, she is out of town for the day, is at The Active Stick. And if you want to read any Habs-related writing, you can find it at Habs Eyes on the prize part of SB Nation. So, uh, Gil, thank you so much for having me on, and hopefully I'll be back soon with better tidings for Habs fans. All right, Scott, thanks. Always a pleasure. My pleasure to welcome back to the show John Chick, the host of Locked On New York Rangers. And, John, it's been a busy offseason for the Rangers A lot of moves being made. Let's start with this one. The team has a new captain. Your thoughts on the choice? Yeah, so obviously they go with Jacob Truba. And I think, you know, the smart money was probably on either it being him or Mika Zibanejad or Chris Kreider as far as, you know, the next captain, whoever it was going to be. I mean, I guess you could make a little bit of a case for some of the other guys. If you want to be bold, you could have gone with like a younger player like an Adam Fox or a Ryan Lindgren. Maybe even an Alexi Lafreniere, if you, if you really want to kind of you know turn the, the keys over to him. But I think all along those were probably the three most likely candidates. And 
you know, something that I mentioned, you know, obviously I did an episode about Trua being in the captain. Uh, you know, you could have made a case, like I said, for any of those three players. With Mika and Kreider, I feel like there's almost kind of like a cancel out effect. I mean, they've both been there for such a long time. They're both such close friends. I'm not sure that either one of them would have wanted to get the captaincy over the other one, if that makes sense. I think they're perfectly content kind of being at that same level, uh, probably remaining alternate captains and allowing Jacob Truba to have it. Uh, by all accounts, Truba, you know, maybe not so much his first season with the team, but uh, in his second year and also his third year, uh, took on more of a leadership role in that locker room. And uh, they were close to naming him the captain coming into this past season. But, you know, Gallant was a first-year head coach, wanted to kind of, you know, meet everybody, learn the team, see them interact with each other. And, uh, you know, I feel good about it. I, I, I all along was kind of a Kreider guy, but I'm totally cool with this as well. It's a good choice. The Rangers making some other moves. Your thoughts about bringing in Yaroslav Halak as the new backup goaltender? Yeah, I like it. You know, I, I did an offseason series where we do kind of, um, you know, a free agent spotlight kind of thing where we look at uh, just any potential targets that the Rangers might have. And it was becoming pretty obvious that they were going to need a new backup goalie. Uh, the writing was certainly on the wall that Alex Georgiev was going to be traded, not because he's not any good. I mean, he's a solid backup goalie. He can be a little bit up and down. Um, but the Rangers just weren't going to be able to afford him going forward. And, you know, there's a little bit of a salary cap crunch there. And when that's the case, you can't really afford to spend too big on your backup goalie. I thought the Rangers did a really nice job getting two-thirds and a fifth for Alex Georgiev, especially uh, when you consider that the entire league knew that they had to trade him. And as for Yaroslav Halak coming in, um, he was actually one of the goalies that I mentioned when we were doing our free agent spotlight episode because, uh, you know, you look around the league and you look at all the free agent goalies, Obviously, they're not going to chase one of the, you know, the top, top guys because they've got Igor Shesterkin. So you look at more realistic options. And I mean, there are a couple of different guys that I toss out there. But Yaroslav Halak was up there as far as uh, one of my preferred choices as a backup goalie. Again, keeping it realistic, um, you know, relative to how much the Rangers were willing to spend there. Um, somebody that, you know, he's bounced around the league a little bit. I think he tends to be uh, a little bit underrated. I mean, you got to see him play for a while there uh, with the Islanders, Gil. Yes. And, um, you know, he's had a role as he's been a starter at times. He's been in a timeshare at times. He's been in a backup at times. I think, uh, you know, overall, he'll do a good job. He can handle any role you give him. And, uh, you know, I mean, Igor Shesterkin is going to have to be Igor if the Rangers are going to get to where they need to go. But uh, the backup goalie role has grown as the years have gone on here. The backup goalies tend to play a little bit more than I think they used to. And uh, I think that Rangers got a pretty good one there in Yaroslav Halak. You have an idea roughly what the breakdown would be? How many games do you expect Halak to start if everybody stays healthy? Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be, uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Whatever it would be that Alex Georgiev got last year, I think it would be fairly similar this year. Uh, I do know that Gerard Gallant doesn't seem to be a big fan. I don't think he did this once this past year. Uh, playoffs, obviously not withstanding. But I don't think one time last year he played the same goalie twice in a back-to-back. -back. So anytime there's a back-to-back, -back, you're going to see Halak out there for at least one of them. And, um, you know, again, I, I think you could do a lot worse than him as, as your number two. The other big move this offseason for the Rangers, Vincent Trocek uh, signing a big contract with the team, seven years. Your thoughts on that acquisition and where he'll fit into the lineup? Yeah, I love it. Um, he was, uh, again, you know, we did this offseason series where I'm just looking at free agents and guys that I think could be a fit for the Rangers. He was somebody that I spotlighted in that as well. And somebody that I've just always been a fan of. You know, he's been one of my favorite, you know, non-Rangers in the league, even before he came here. I just think he's got a great all-around game. You know, he does a little bit of everything to help you. He's a good defensive forward, can win some face-offs. Uh, he'll chip in offensively. He can be on the power play. He can kill some penalties. He's really kind of a Swiss Army knife. Um, so I, I love the signing. I mean, once they signed Trocek, it kind of meant that 
that was going to be just about it. They weren't going to be able to, um, you know, really go big game hunting in free agency after that point. I mean, he was the big game, you know, he, he was the big right. name player. So, so that was going to be it. Other than that, it was just kind of patchwork and, you know, some uh, inexpensive free agents, but yeah, I think he's going to fit in great. I think he'll most likely be out there with Artemi Panarin. Um, that would be in the role that Ryan Strom used to occupy and Strom did a nice job. You know, he had his naysayers, but I think the Rangers were probably uh, about ready to look in a different direction and they let him walk. They let Andrew Kopp walk as well. You know, bring him back could have been an option, but uh, instead they go with Vincent Trocek. And, you know, a lot of people looked at the length of the, uh, the Trocek deal. Oh my man, seven years, seven years. The thing is like, they almost had to do that to keep the average annual value of the contract at kind of a reasonable level. Um, because, you know, he's got a good amount of money coming to him. And I think it's fine. $5.625 million per season. That's comparable with what uh, both Cop and Strom got. And, um, you know, I think Trocek is going to fit in really nicely here. We'll see who they go with on the right wing on that line. That's kind of been a revolving door over the past few years. But uh, I'd like to see Capo Caco maybe get a shot there to start the season. So that could be your second line, uh, Trocek Center and Panarin and Caco. So training camp now less than a month away. What would you say is the Rangers' biggest concern at this point with their roster? That's a good question. Um, I, I think the biggest concern is, you know, those guys that they all brought in as rentals last season, whether it was uh, Andrew Kopp or Frank Vetrano or probably Tyler Ma. I mean, he's still a free agent. It's possible he could come back, but I don't see how the Rangers could fit him in under the cap. But, you know, those rentals turned out to be just that, rentals. And they left. Uh, they made such an impact with this Ranger team in such a short amount of time. It's tough to say goodbye to so many players. Uh, you know, barely got to know them. And they were part of a really nice playoff run there. So uh, I think replacing them and having the younger kids kind of grow into that role. I mean, the two that are obvious that have to take that next step are Lafreniere and Kako. But you could also throw uh, Philip Heedle in there. He's a former first-rounder himself. And also Vitaly Kravtsov, who... I mean, for somebody who's only played 20 career games with the Rangers, it's just been like a complete saga with this guy, you know, with, with him, you know, uh, constantly at odds with the Rangers and, you know, Chris Drury and everything. And like I said, we, we could do a whole episode on that, Gil. But uh, the long and short of it is those four young players, those former first rounders, uh, they're going to have to take that next step forward if the Rangers are going to, uh, you know, be a serious cup contender this season. John, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the the podcast, excuse me, anywhere that uh, you're listening to this. We're on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, the whole nine yards. I mean, pretty much anywhere you could conceivably find a podcast, you can find Locked On New York Rangers. As far as where to find me, uh, I'm on social media at jchick17. And then you can also follow the show's account as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. All right, John Chick, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. We'll uh, We'll do this again soon for sure. Looking forward to it. All right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my three guests today, Jess Belmosto of Locked On Flames, Scott Matla of Locked On Canadians, and John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers. Don't forget, we are here every day, Monday through Friday, with all the biggest news from around the National Hockey League right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Gil Martin. I host every Monday co-host every Friday, along with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.